Chapter Nineteen of Son of Tarzan. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Son of Tarzan by Edgar Rice Burroughs. Chapter Nineteen. Behind them, Korak emerged from the jungle and recovered his spear from Numa's side. He still was smiling. He had enjoyed the spectacle exceedingly. There was one thing that troubled him the agility with which the she had clambered from her pony's back into the safety of the tree above her. That was more like Mangani, more like his lost Miriam. He sighed, his lost Miriam, his little dead Miriam. He wondered if this she-stranger resembled his Miriam in other ways. A great longing to see her overwhelmed him. He looked after the three figures moving steadily across the plain. He wondered where might lie their destination. A desire to follow them came over him, but he only stood there watching until they had disappeared in the distance. The sight of the civilized girl and the dapper khaki-clad Englishman had aroused in Korak memories long dormant. Once he had dreamed of returning to the world of such as these, but with the death of Miriam hope and ambition seemed to have deserted him. He cared now only to pass the remainder of his life in solitude, as far from man as possible. With a sigh he turned slowly back into the jungle. Tantor, nervous by nature, had been far from reassured by close proximity to the three strange whites, and with the report of Hanson's rifle had turned and ambled away at his long, swinging shuffle. He was nowhere in sight when Korak returned to look for him, the ape-man, however, was little concerned by the absence of his friend. Tantor had a habit of wandering off unexpectedly. For a month they might not see one another, for Korak seldom took the trouble to follow the great pachyderm, nor did he upon this occasion. Instead he found a comfortable perch in a large tree and was soon asleep. At the bungalow Buana had met the returning adventurers on the veranda. In a moment of wakefulness he had heard the report of Hanson's rifle far out across the plain, and wondered what it might mean. Presently it had occurred to him that the man whom he considered in the light of a guest might have met with an accident on his way back to camp, so he had arisen and gone to his foreman's quarters, where he had learned that Hanson had been there earlier in the evening, but had departed several hours before. Returning from the foreman's quarters, Buana had noticed that the corral gate was open, and further investigation revealed the fact that Miriam's pony was gone, and also the one most often used by Baines. Instantly Buana assumed that the shot had been fired by Honorable Morrison, and had again aroused his foreman, and was making preparations to set forth in investigation, when he had seen the party approaching across the plain. Explanation on the part of the Englishman met a rather chilly reception from his host. Miriam was silent. She saw that Buana was angry with her. It was the first time, and she was heartbroken. "'Go to your room, Miriam,' he said. "'And, Baines, if you will step into my study, I'd like to have a word with you in a moment.' He stepped toward Hanson as the others turned to obey him. There was something about Buana, even in his gentlest moods, that commanded instant obedience. "'How did you happen to be with them, Hanson?' he asked. "'I'd been sitting in the garden,' replied the trader, "'after leaving Jervis's quarters. I have a habit of doing that, as your lady probably knows. 
Tonight I fell asleep behind a bush and was awakened by them two spooning. I couldn't hear what they said, but presently Baines brings two ponies and they ride off. I didn't like to interfere, for it wasn't any of my business, but I knew they hadn't ought to be riding about that time of night, leastways not the girl. It wasn't right and it wasn't safe. So I follows them, and it's just as well as I did. Baines was getting away from the lion as fast as he could, leaving the girl to take care of herself, when I got a lucky shot into the beast's shoulder that fixed him. Hanson paused. Both men were silent for a time. Presently the trader coughed in an embarrassed manner, as though there was something on his mind he felt in duty bound to say, but hated to. "'What is it, Hanson?' asked Bonna. "'You were about to say something, weren't you?' "'Well, you see, it's like this,' ventured Hanson. "'Being around here evenings a good deal, I have seen them two together a lot, and begging your pardon, sir, but I don't think Mr. Baines means the girl any good. I've overheard enough to make me think he's trying to get her to run off with him.' Hanson, to fit his own ends, hit nearer the truth than he knew. He was afraid that Baines would interfere with his own plans, and he had hit upon a scheme to both utilize the young Englishman and get rid of him at the same time. "'And I thought,' continued the trader, "'that inasmuch as I am about due to move you might like to suggest to Mr. Baines that he go with me, I'd be willing to take him north to the caravan trails as a favor to you, sir. Buona stood in deep thought for a moment. Presently he looked up. Of course, Hanson, Mr. Baines is my guest, he said, a grim twinkle in his eye. Really, I cannot accuse him of planning to run away with Miriam on the evidence that we have, and as he is my guest I should hate to be so discourteous as to ask him to leave but if I recall his words correctly, it seems to me that he has spoken of returning home, and I am sure that nothing would delight him more than going north with you. You say you start to-morrow? I think Mr. Baines will accompany you. Drop over in the morning, if you please. And now good night, and thank you for keeping a watchful eye on Miriam. Hanson hid a grin as he turned and sought his saddle. Won a step from the veranda to his study, where he found the Honorable Morrison pacing back and forth, evidently very ill at ease. "'Baines,' said Wanna, coming directly to the point, "'Hanson is leaving for the north to-morrow. He has taken a great fancy to you, and just asked me to say to you that he'd be glad to have you accompany him. Good night, Baines.' At Buona's suggestion, Miriam kept to her room the following morning until after the Honorable Morrison Baines had departed. Hanson had come for him early. In fact, he had remained all night with the foreman Jervis, that they might get an early start. The farewell exchanges between the Honorable Morrison and his host were of the most formal type, and when at last the guest rode away, Buona breathed a sigh of relief. It had been an unpleasant duty, and he was glad that it was over, but he did not regret his action. He had not been blind to Bain's infatuation for Miriam, and knowing the young man's pride in caste, 
he had never for a moment believed that his guest would offer his name to this nameless arab girl for extremely light in color though she was for a full-blood arab buona believed her to be such he did not mention the subject again to meriam and in this he made a mistake for the young girl realizing the debt of gratitude she owed buona and my dear was both proud and sensitive so that Buona's action in sending Baines away, and giving her no opportunity to explain or defend, hurt and mortified her. Also it did much toward making a martyr of Baines in her eyes, and arousing in her breast a keen feeling of loyalty toward him. What she had half mistaken for love before, she now wholly mistook for love. Buona and my dear might have told her much of the social barriers that they only too well knew Baines must feel existed between Miriam and himself, but they hesitated to wound her. It would have been better had they inflicted this lesser sorrow and saved the child the misery that was to follow because of her ignorance. As Hanson and Baines rode toward the former's camp, the Englishman maintained a morose silence. The other was attempting to formulate an opening that would lead naturally to the proposition he had in mind. He rode a neck behind his companion, grinning as he noted the sullen scowl upon the other's patrician face. "'Rather rough on you, wasn't he?' he ventured at last, jerking his head back in the direction of the bungalow, as Baines turned his eyes upon him at the remark. "'He thinks a lot of the girl.' continued Hanson, and don't want nobody to marry her and take her away. But it looks to me as though he was doing her a more harm than good in sending you away. She ought to marry some time, and she couldn't do better than a fine young gentleman like you. Baines, who had at first felt inclined to take offense at the mention of his private affairs by this common fellow, was mollified by Hanson's final remark, and immediately commenced to see in him a man of fine discrimination. "'He's a darn bounder,' grumbled the Honorable Morrison. "'But I'll get even with him. He may be the whole thing in Central Africa, but I'm as big as he is in London, and he'll find it out when he comes home.' "'If I was you,' said Hanson, "'I wouldn't let any man keep me from getting the girl I want.' "'Between you and me, I ain't got no use for him either, "'and if I can help you in any way, just call on me.' "'It's mighty good of you, Hanson,' replied Baines, warming up a bit. "'But what can a fellow do here in this God-forsaken hole?' "'I know what I'd do,' said Hanson. "'I'd take the girl along with me. "'If she loves you, she'll go all right.' "'It can't be done,' said Baines. He bosses this whole blooming country for miles around. He'd be sure to catch us. No, he wouldn't. Not with me running things, said Hanson. I've been trading and hunting here for ten years, and I know as much about the country as he does. If you want to take the girl along, I'll help you, and I'll guarantee that there won't nobody catch up with us before we reach the coast. I'll tell you what, you write her a note and I'll get it to her by my head man. Ask her to meet you to say good-bye. She won't refuse that. 
"'In the meantime we can be moving camp a little further north all the time, "'and you can make arrangements with her to be all ready on a certain night. "'Tell her I'll meet her then while you wait for us in camp. "'That'll be better, for I know the country well and can cover it quicker than you. "'You can take care of the safari and be moving along slow toward the north, "'and the girl and I'll catch up to you.' "'But suppose she won't come,' suggested Baines. "'Then make another date for a last good-bye,' said Hanson. "'And instead of you I'll be there and bring her along anyway.' she'll have to come and after it's all over she won't feel so bad about it especially after living with you for two months while we're making the coast a shocked and angry protest rose to bain's lips but he did not utter it for almost simultaneously came the realization that this was practically the same thing he had been planning upon himself it had sounded brutal and criminal from the lips of the rough trader but nevertheless the young Englishman saw that with Hanson's help and his knowledge of African travel the possibilities of success would be much greater than as though the Honorable Morrison were to attempt the thing single-handed, and so he nodded a glum assent. The balance of the long ride to Hanson's northerly camp was made in silence, for both men were occupied with their own thoughts, most of which were far from being either complimentary or loyal to the other. As they rode through the woods, the sounds of their careless passage came to the ears of another jungle wayfarer. The killer had determined to come back to the place where he had seen the white girl who took to the trees with the ability of long habitude. There was a compelling something in the recollection of her that drew him irresistibly toward her. He wished to see her by the light of day, to see her features, to see the color of her eyes and hair. It seemed to him that she must bear a strong resemblance to his lost Miriam, and yet he knew that the chances were that she did not. The fleeting glimpse that he had had of her in the moonlight, as she swung from the back of her plunging pony into the branches of the tree above her, had shown him a girl of about the same height as his Miriam, but of a more rounded and developed femininity. Now he was moving lazily back in the direction of the spot where he had seen the girl when the sounds of the approaching horsemen came to his sharp ears. He moved stealthily through the branches until he came within sight of the riders. The young man he instantly recognized as the same he had seen with his arms about the girl in the moonlit glade just the instant before Numa charged. The other he did not recognize, though there was a familiarity about his carriage and figure that puzzled Korak. The ape-man decided that to find the girl again he would but have to keep in touch with the young Englishman, and so he fell in behind the pair, following them to Hanson's camp. Here the Honorable Morrison penned a brief note which Hanson gave into the keeping of one of his boys who started off forthwith toward the south. Korak remained in the vicinity of the camp, keeping a careful watch upon the Englishman. He had half expected to find the girl at the destination of the two riders, and had been disappointed when no sign of her materialized about the camp. Baines was restless, pacing back and forth beneath the trees, when he should have been resting against the forced marches of the coming flight. 
Hansen lay in his hammock and smoked. They spoke but little. Korak lay stretched upon a branch among the dense foliage above them. Thus passed the balance of the afternoon. Korak became hungry and thirsty. He doubted that either of the men would leave camp now before morning, so he withdrew. But toward the south, for there it seemed most likely the girl still was. In the garden beside the bungalow, Miriam wandered thoughtfully in the moonlight. She still smarted from Buana's to her unjust treatment of the Honorable Morrison Baines. Nothing had been explained to her, for both Buana and my dear had wished to spare her the mortification and sorrow of the true explanation of Baines' proposal. They knew, as Miriam did not, that the man had no intention of marrying her, else he would have come directly to Buana, knowing full well that no objection would be interposed if Miriam really cared for him. Miriam loved them both and was grateful to them for all that they had done for her, but deep in her little heart surged the savage love of liberty that her years of untrammeled freedom in the jungle had made part and parcel of her being. Now, for the first time since she had come to them, Miriam felt like a prisoner in the bungalow of Buana and my dear. Like a caged tigress, the girl paced the length of the enclosure. Once she paused near the outer fence, her head upon one side, listening. What was it she had heard? The pad of naked human feet just beyond the garden. She listened for a moment. The sound was not repeated. Then she resumed her restless walking. Down to the opposite end of the garden she passed, turned, and retraced her steps toward the upper end. Upon the sward near the bushes that hid the fence, full in the glare of the moonlight, lay a white envelope that had not been there when she had turned almost upon the very spot a moment before. Miriam stopped short in her tracks, listening again and sniffing, more than ever the tigress, alert, ready. Beyond the bushes a naked black runner squatted peering through the foliage. He saw her take a step closer to the letter. She had seen it. He rose quietly, and following the shadows of the bushes that ran down to the corral, was soon gone from sight. Miriam's trained ears heard his every move. She made no attempt to seek closer knowledge of his identity. Already she had guessed that he was a messenger from the Honorable Morrison. She stooped and picked up the envelope. Tearing it open, she easily read the contents by the moon's brilliant light. It was, as she had guessed, from Baines. "'I cannot go without seeing you again,' it read. "'Come to the clearing early to-morrow morning and say good-bye to me. Come alone.' There was a little more, words that made her heart beat faster and a happy flush mount her cheek. End of chapter 19